Amen. I appreciate the, 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 the scripture that was read this morning. Matter of fact, I will quote that as one of the verses on the, on the overhead. Last week, we uh, looked at the resurrection, and this week, we're going to return to Ephesians and talk about being children of light. Jesus also talked about that in Matthew chapter 5. In verses 14 through 16, so I want to begin by reading that. Jesus said himself, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's really interesting in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul, in the same order as Jesus did, talks about being light. Uh, Different words, but really much the same thing. So now I want to read Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14. Jesus said, beginning in verse 8, For you were formerly darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We sang, Shine, Jesus, shine. We need to be lights in the world. And... uh, We are. We are lights. Christ in us. The hope of glory. And I want this morning to, uh, and next week as as a part two, go through this. And uh, it's an extremely important topic. We see that uh, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Paul says, your children of light are light in the Lord, which is uh, our just uh, our identification. That's who we are. We're light, the light of the world. Secondly, let your light so shine, Jesus said. Paul says, walk. That's our function. That's what we do. We walk. Thirdly, Jesus said, said that men may see your good works. Uh, this is our uh, uh, motivation. Why are we to do this? So that the others will come to the light. That's verses 13 and 14. We're to expose their sin. That's what Jesus said. Be lights. Did he not? So that men may see your good works and glorify your God. That's the main reason. 
to glorify God. And Paul is, is explicit when he says this. This morning, let's look at, first of all, who we are. Who we are. We are no longer darkness, but now light in the Lord, as Paul says. And Jesus said, light of the world. Uh, verse 8, we see, we were once darkness, but now light in the Lord. We see the contrast, don't we, in the scripture of light and darkness. And it's throughout scripture. John uses it. Uh, darkness is not just ignorance like what was in the dark ages. There was great ignorance in the dark ages. But describing those who dwell in darkness. In the sense of loving darkness, loving sin, loving witness. Didn't Jesus himself say in uh, uh, <clears throat> in John uh, three nineteen and 20, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come, will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And that's what we want to do. We want to expose them to see their deeds. That's what we're about. Uh, They didn't come to Jesus. Why? Not a lack of information. They have the information, but they love their own darkness. They're dead in their trespasses and um, in sin. And that's what they desire. That's what they want. They refuse to come to the light to be saved. They don't want God. They love their darkness. And I'm re- repeating this uh, a lot because I want you to really see what I'm trying to get at. They love their sin and want nothing to do with Christ. It's interesting, uh, in, in uh, Lydia's heart, we find in Acts 16, 14, it says, listening to Paul, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a, Lydia, a, a dealer in purple cloth. And it's interesting, she was a worshiper of God, but not the true God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he did for you if you're a believer this morning. He opened your heart that you would respond. In other words, he is the one who quickens you. Lazarus, come forth, Jesus said. Lazarus was dead. He couldn't come forth on his own. He said, Jesus, please call me forth. No, he was dead. And uh, uh, the light of Christ must shine in your heart. Luke 24, 44 and 47, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he, then Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, 
This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so we, my friends, need to give all glory to the Lord. All glory goes to him. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, now notice, Paul says, let light shine out of darkness. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. God did it to give us the light of the knowledge the light of the knowledge. We ha- you can have knowledge and not have light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Wow. Give glory and praise to Him. And that will make you praise Him when you realize it's not you but Him. Remember in chapter 2 of Ephesians, uh, it says that you're dead in your trespasses and sin. Dead means dead. No life. No light. Blind. Oh, there's a little light. No, there's nothing there. And I was, it was interesting because that old uh, Welchman, you did. You know, I just have they speak. And it, just the way he said it, it was just drove it home. You know, it just, he, it was so you're going to have to listen to him. He, he, he'll make you weak. But anyway, that's how the Lord found us and renewed us in Christ. The, lo- the light shone in our hearts. The Holy Spirit illumined us. And so Paul is constantly telling us and reminding us uh, what we used to be, but now are. Used to be this, but now you're this. And two things we need to note about once darkness and now light in the Lord. First of all, we see the description of the radical nature of conversion. Notice Paul doesn't say you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light. But he says you were once darkness, but now you are light. That is huge. That is huge, and I I want to tell you why. Because becoming a Christian doesn't mean just changing your environment, but being changed yourself from the inside out. You can be in the greatest environment, but it doesn't change you. You must change, and our hearts must change. And when our hearts are changed, the things that we used to love, we now hate, and the things that we hated, we now love. I can't explain that, but it just happened because Christ in me who is doing that and so he brings out also uh, an explanation of this conversion. How does this, how does this happen? When a sinner is joined or united to Christ, Paul says, 
You are light in the Lord. How does one go from darkness on the inside to light? By being transformed. By being transformed by the Holy Spirit and united to Christ. You know what's amazing? is that we become a partaker of the divine nature. Now, that is amazing. And I don't, I don't even pretend to uh, understand it, but that's what we are taught. 2 Peter 1.4 says, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Whoa, that's huge having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Praise his name. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's the light of Christ in us. You know, people talk about uh, we're reflectors of the light. We're to be that way like the moon is. But you know what? I think it's more than that. We are the light. Christ in us. We don't just reflect light, but we are light. The light of Jesus, whom we're united to. And by the way, you don't turn this light on and off. Thank God for that. Uh, You're not light one day and darkness another. You can throw dirt on the light bulb, which we do, sin. We throw dirt on the light bulb. But the light bulb is still burning. You can put it under a bushel, but the light is still there. It's just under a bushel. It's hidden. One day, that dirt will be gone. Think of that. That dirt's going to be gone. Matthew chapter 13, 41 through 43. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, us, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Woe, forever and ever, we won't have dirt anymore. We'll be radiant as Jesus. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about you, but I'll be glad to put off this old, this old man. Secondly, in the light of who we are, and no pun intended, how are the, you then to live? What are we to do? Secondly, what is our function? As Jesus said, let your light So shine. You're either light or darkness. Again, there is no light switch that you turn on and off. Light today, darkness tomorrow, no. The light is Christ and He is in you. He is in you forever and ever and ever. Praise His holy name. He's either in you or not in you. Paul says, walk as children of light. Live consistently with that fact. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 
we have a huge responsibility in this world to be salt and light. Paul says the same thing in chapter 4, in verse 1. Walk as children. Live like it. It's like a father speaking to his son saying, Son, be a man. Now he's not saying, you, you were a boy, now be a man. And he miraculously turns him into a man. No, what he's saying is, act like what you are. You're a man. If you're 17 or 18, he probably wouldn't say that to a five-year-old. But <laughs> In other words, be courageous. Stand up. Be a witness. Be a man. Be what you're supposed to be in Christ, he says. You know, George Whitfield was preaching to thousands. They said Whitfield would preach on one corner and you could hear him without a loudspeaker a block away. Now that's a pretty good voice. And he preached to thousands that way. And one day he was preaching and people were throwing things at him. And his wife, trying to encourage him, she says, George, be a man. Be a man. She already knew he was a man, but continue to preach. Continue to stand up there. Continue to be courageous. Continue to be what God wants you to be. Be a man. So, we need to shine to expose darkness. So interesting, yesterday at the wedding, several men said some foul words around me and, and then realized who I was. It's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were a preacher. You don't have to stand before me, but there's one that you will stand before. Be light in this world. Does people see Jesus in you? We see here also conviction and comfort. The conviction because we know we fall short of that calling, don't we? Every day I see that. I, oh, Lord, forget I've fallen short today again. We had the light. Sometimes uh, we're ashamed of the light. As we read this morning, we're embarrassed to be called a Christian sometimes. Sometimes by our own sins, we throw dirt on the light. But we also, I think, find comfort in these words. And I think the order is important. Notice Paul doesn't say, walk as children of light, and then maybe if you do a good job, then the Father will accept you. Then the Father will adopt you. No, he doesn't say that. No, you're adopted before you begin the walk. You're accepted into his family with all the rights and privileges of children before you begin that walk. Because there is one who was obedient for us who did that walk perfectly, the merits of Christ, the one who was our substitute. Hebrews 10, 12, but when this priest, Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. 
He sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. He's done it for us. He's done it for us. Stop trying to be a Christian. Just be a Christian. Be what you are. Be what you, God made you to be. Be a man or a woman. Yes. <laughs> uh, but realize you've been changed. If you have been changed by His Spirit, you have power now to be a bright light. You've been born again by Christ. There's new life. The order is God changes us first by His own sovereign grace. And then we're called upon by His power to obey Him. We're responsible. Nothing we do can gain His favor. Stop trying to be a Christian to gain His favor. You already have His favor. Live like that. Live like you're accepted. Live like you're adopted. Live like you're a child of the King because you are. Do we do what we do because we fear hell? 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power of love and of a sound mind. Christ in us. Hallelujah. Let us experience that. Let us live that. Let us rejoice in that. There are several things Paul brings out about our responsibility though to walk as children of light. And all of these begin with the letter P, and I'm just going to cover uh, one and maybe part of the other one. But what does walking as children of light look like? What does it look like? Verse 9 tells us that it uh, is producing fruit. Producing fruit. Either fruit of light or... Through the Spirit, I don't think it makes much difference because uh, it's the fruit of God. Galatians five twenty, the fruit of the, Galatians five twenty two, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and and all the the rest of that list there. There's a Spirit who gives us the fruit so that we can shine. He brings the light to us. And what is this light? Paul says, goodness, righteousness, truth. And of course, we know that there are others as well, but uh, he mentions these. Goodness refers, I believe, to generosity and kindness through the Spirit. Uh, Righteousness, I think, is referring to integrity and uh, honesty in all our dealings with God and man. Truth is uh, like light. It refers to the uh, absence of falsehood and deception and hypocrisy. Being transparent and open. Wow. Transparent? You mean I can be transparent? Yeah, you can be transparent. You can peel off those layers. Let people see those layers that, that you 
need to peel off, be, be transparent and, and honest and, and open. You know why? Because children of light have nothing to hide. Because we know God knows it anyway. And we're comfortable in the light. Are you comfortable in the light? Have you ever turned on a light bulb in your kitchen and have roaches in there and all of a sudden, out of the light? Are they not? I remember I had a, uh, uh, a room and in the kitchen, I was bad about keeping all the dishes clean, and, and I'm just confessing here. And when I was single, yes, when I was single, <laughs> living off campus, and in this particular house had to be a roach hotel. And you'd go in there and turn on the light, and there would be 300 roaches. And I'm not, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, and they would scatter. In, in five seconds, you couldn't find one. I mean, they... They would look for every bit of that darkness that they could find. And they were hiding from the light. They were not comfortable in the light, but we can be. Why? Because we don't have to worry about covering up our sin. Our sin is covered. Jesus is our covering. You know, I think David discovered this. Uh, David here, yes, but David in the scripture. <laughs> I know David here has, and I know this David has too. He says, for I know my transgressions, he says in Psalm 51, 3 through 6. I know my transgressions. He doesn't hide it. He's confessing it. And my sin is always before me. Don't be afraid of it. See it. Look at it. Hate it. Confess it. Against you, he says, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are now, uh, so you are right in your verdict. Don't, don't make excuses for your sin. Well, you know, God, it was, you know, I had a bad day. No, he says, you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. He gives all in praise and glory to God because he knows God has done it and it's complete and now he can just confess it and see it and hate it, despise it, but not cover it up. And the, fruit, uh, the word fruit, I think, suggests several things. First of all, life. We are alive spiritually. There is a life within. You know what? You don't just hang fruit on a tree. You know, you just don't cut down a tree or go out here and hang a Start hanging pears on it. And, you know, we put ornaments on a Christmas tree, don't we? But it's been cut off. It's dead. And we can make it look good like we do ourselves and hang all this stuff on us so everybody thinks good of us. 
but it's not coming from the tree. You see, it's not being produced by the, the tree. It's, the tree is dead. The Pharisees were good about that. Outwardly, they looked good, but inwardly, they were rotten. They were dead men's bones. They were wolves in sheep's clothing. John 15, 2, 5, and 8. He says, he cuts off, Jesus, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, uh, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And that hurts. Pruning hurts. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to learn that one. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do you know that you're a disciple? What is one of the evidences that you bear much fruit? It doesn't save you, but if you're saved, you bear fruit. Also, secondly, fruit suggests development. There is no such thing as a fruitless Christian because you have the first the blossom, then the bud, and then the fruit. And then the fruit grows and matures, and we're all in that process. Also, there's nourishment, thirdly. Fruit needs nourishment. It, it needs light. How are you to shine if you're not in communion with Christ? We need the right nourishment. The light of God's Word. The light of God's Word. It must be saturating our mind. Ask yourself, am I bearing fruit? Jesus says here in verse 8, bear much fruit. What does walking as children of light look like? The second P is pleasing the Lord. Pleasing the Lord. We need to examine ourselves to see what is pleasing to the Lord. How do you find that out? God's Word. And we need to learn what the Bible says pleases God. Not what we make up. We can write our own Bible. God's already done that. You know, you can say, well, I think that's wrong. It really doesn't matter what you think. It's what does the Bible teach. The Holy Spirit leads us through His Word. He he illumines us through His Word. This is the verse that was read this morning, Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a man, a young person... Uh, Stay on the path of purity by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. I do do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Is that our desire? Is that what you want in your life? A lot of situations in life are very hard to understand on your own. That's why we need God's Word. We need help. We need knowledge. We need right understanding. 
so we can examine our lives. If you don't believe it, that is that people are not living according to the Bible, go to Walmart sometime and, and watch how parents deal with their children. It's not according to the scripture, I can tell you that. Now some are, don't misunderstand me. But for the most part, the child is in charge. What about worship services? Pleasing, this is the second P, pleasing the Lord. What pleases the Lord in worship service? Oh, well, I think if we sing for four hours and look at God's word for five minutes, that pleases the Lord. No, it does not. Why? Because he's told us the pulpit is the center. A lot of churches, the pulpit is not in the center. It's off to the side. That's why the pulpit's in the center. It's God's word that we need to be focusing on. Because that's where we get our strength from and our guidance from. It's not five minutes in the Word and, and an hour and a half doing other things. Being entertained uh, for one thing. Feeling good about ourselves. Uh, you know, how can you grow your church? Oh, well, if you know, if you just make a men's softball team, boy, they'll come from miles around. No, no, that's, no. No, you you be you preach the word because uh, we need that. We need it. Romans ten one through three. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is they might be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. So you can you can come into a church building and boy, you can just be zealous. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. There's no teaching there. There's no instruction. Since they do not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not, see, submit to what God says. That's the key right there is submitting to what He says and how He defines things, not how we would like for things to be. Because we could come to church and we could make this an entertainment center. Right? We could. We could pass out popcorn and Cokes and, and advertise it to the city, free Cokes and popcorn and come watch a movie. And No. We do it the way God has prescribed it to be. He's told us. Somebody says we need to be more fruit bearers and less fruit cakes. I thought that was good enough. In other words, with with uh, a fruitcake has strange ingredients. Right? We need to get rid of the strange ingredients and be fruit bearers, not fruitcakes. I thought that was pretty good too. I, I chuckled when I first heard it. What is our motive, last of all? What is our motive? To please the Lord. Why? Because we're already accepted by Him. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Get that word, forever. You're perfect already, forever, those who are being made holy. That's us. He's working on us. You're perfect forever. Now, live like you're perfect. Because you are perfect. It's kind of, you know, I don't know how to say it, but... uh, 
But you can have knowledge with no love too. You can have knowledge with no love as well. It's interesting in the book of Revelation, we talked, the, he, the Ephesian church, Paul said, uh, John says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent, not too late, repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And I preached on this, but I'm not going to go through that again. But have you forsaken your first love? It's easy to do that. It's so easy to forsake our first love, and that is Christ and His love for us. Because we can smile because God loves us. He really does. He loves us. Why has He given us His Ten Commandments? Lastly, and I'm I'm just... Almost finished. And we read it this morning. He's given us his commandments for our good. And Psalm 119 says that. They're given for our good. They're given because he loves us. Why do you tell your children not to play in the street? You don't want them to get run over, right? I mean, that's loving them. But do they want to play in the street? As soon as you tell them not to... They're going to play in the street. Dad, Dad said the worst thing you, uh, you can tell a child is, you know, don't put that bean up your nose. Well, he's, you know, because he, as a doctor, he had had these kids come in with things up their nose. And, and I kept telling my child not to put things up their nose. And Dad says, he probably wouldn't have thought of it if you hadn't told him. You know? But uh, we're, we're good to do that. But no, these are, these are things that he's told us because he loves us. He do, he's not being mean or restrictive because he loves us. And so Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see, that's a command from him because he loves us. We love him because he first loved us. Now, can we say with the psalmist, and this is the last verse and closing, if I can get to Psalm 119, 97, and then 103 through 105. Oh, can we say this? Can you say this? Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Wow. Let's pray. Father, you're a loving God. You're loving because you have given us direction. You've given us your law. But most of all, you've given us Christ. Oh, Father, how we praise you that we are now perfect in him. That we don't have to try to be Christians because we're already Christians. We're already perfect in your sight. Jesus has paid it all. All to him we owe. Oh, Lord, help us to live through the power of the gospel. 
Help us not to be ashamed, as Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all that believe. Help us to trust in Jesus, in Jesus alone. In his wonderful name we pray. Amen.